Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse Podcast, Volume 7, Issue 331, in honour of the 25th anniversary of Daytona USA. You can play along with the show. We have some excellent podcasts coming up. If you want to play along and feedback before we uh, before we actually record those shows, you can play Final Fantasy V. That's the where we're up to in that series. After that, it's Valkyria Chronicles, a much-requested show. Then we're going to do Resogun, the uh, housemark-coded Defender-esque PS4 launch game. Following that, we're going all the way back to the original Ghosts and Goblins or Makaimura from the arcades. And after that, the first time ever, we're doing a a game that we've done before. We're revisiting it seven years later, and that's Resident Evil 4. So that should be interesting. Canorince.com for the schedule up to the end of the year and links to all our other outlets and our merchandise store and whatever else. And if you don't know by now, you can support our efforts. You can also uh, get the show a week earlier by donating just a dollar a month. That's the minimum, which is around 76 pence, less than a euro. Uh, you also get our console specials. Currently, we've just done one of those, the Genesis Mega Drive show uh, out now. And we're going to be doing more of those, PlayStation and Game Boy, among others. Uh, you also get a an exclusive monthly, monthly minicast. And as of now, as of uh, just the last couple of shows, subscribers may also get a slightly less truncated show or what we're going to call an unabridged version so for instance the secret of mana show the patreon version is 20 minutes longer so that's worth a dollar we reckon a month uh, there's also a paypal button if you just want to give us a one-off donation on the homepage. we have another podcast sound of play it comes out every wednesday it's really uh, a lot of fun and uh, well worth tuning into and subscribing to uh, review and rate both this podcast and that one wherever you can and follow us on social media as well twitter instagram and facebook joining me leon cox in issue 331 our new cane and rinse contributor marvin alexis hi how's it going all right, welcome to the world of Kane and Rince Marv, uh, a uh, an associate of Mikiel's, who is also here. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, I'd, I'd say so. Good stuff. Uh, well, you're very welcome, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear your memories of Daytona USA, uh, you two, Mikiel. Uh, and well, uh, where do we start really with the developer? We know it's Sega AM2, Sega made the coin up. The director, this is an interesting one in itself. I think a lot of people associate all these games with Yu Suzuki, uh, but he was one of the producers on the project along with uh, Nagoshi, who was the director, Toshihiro Nagoshi, who had previously worked on the Mighty Virtual Racing. We'll talk a little bit more about that one because it's relevant. Uh, he went on to work on Shenmue with Yu Suzuki, but then went on to direct some little games called Super Monkey Ball, F-Zero, AX and GX, and then Binary Domain, which we covered years ago, and is probably most famous for the Yakuza series. Uh, He's credited as director, producer and designer on this, so this is very much a Toshihiro Nagoshi uh, joint. Uh, We'll talk about the music and Takanobu Mitsuyoshi's uh, work later because it's kind of probably the most famous thing about this game, even ahead of (laughs) the actual racing of the cars. Uh, there's one piece that was uh, created by uh, American David Leitzer, which is called David Goes to the Victory Lane, which is the first place high score entry tune. He's also the voice of the crew chief. Uh, so 
we should touch in on virtual racing because it is the natural predecessor to this game i think it's fair to say i remember virtual racing was a huge deal in the arcades over here uh, where i live in brighton on the south coast of england uh, we have the uh, the brighton pier or the palace pier and before Daytona came to town, there was an eight-player virtual racing setup, which had all the cameras on the drivers' faces, and uh, and all that. And compared to what was possible with polygons at home at the time when that came out uh, in '92, I guess it was, it was just astounding. I think it was 30 frames a second, whereas uh, Daytona was 60, and the polygons weren't textured or or, or filtered or anything. But still, when it came out in '92, it was uh, it was a big deal. Um, Marvin, you said you had it on the you had the 32x version. Yes, that was actually my first experience with virtual racing. Um, I hadn't played it in arcades. I don't think I was aware of it um, being in arcades. I may have been too young and just right. not paying attention at the time. Um, mm. But my godmother, she bought me a 32x, and you know to nice. get some mileage out of it, virtual racing and. No, Virtual Racing was the first game I bought. I think Virtual Fighter I rented. And my friend and I used to come over every morning before we went off to school. So we had about, huh. you know, 10, 20 minutes before we really had to leave. He'd get there early as I'm getting ready just to play Virtual Racing. So, Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so he'd ring. My mom would let him in. And, you know, we spent a lot of time in that game. Um, most of those courses, I think I got to a point where, well, at least the first two where you could get around it without breaking. But I never discovered drifting um that that was interesting i did manage to place first without drifting as far as i could tell um at least in the first couple tracks um but yeah so that was i was impressed by the graphics even on the 32x yeah and it it was it was a fun time we did wear it out as far as i could tell yeah yeah you didn't get uh, so many tracks in out of the box in those days no i think it was only what five um as far as ray tracing goes, I think it was five tracks. Desert Track was the last one, right? Correct? Yeah. I don't know if it had any home, uh, extra home version tracks in the way that they did sometimes. I think the arcade version may have been the usual three or something. I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah. Did, did the arcade um, version have the, the prototype car? And Not sure. Had, yeah, they may have added cars to 32 yeah. because there were three different models. Yeah. Um, stock, yeah, quite- the F1, and the prototype. Yeah, that sounds sounds like the sort of thing they would have done for the, the home consumer uh, to add a bit of value for money. Uh, Mikhil, do you have any virtual racing memories? No, not really like like Marvin. Um, I wasn't, I've probably never seen a virtual racing cabinet. Oh, really? But it could also be because I wasn't really, and we'll get into that with the uh, memories about the actual uh, game Daytona USA. I wasn't really checking for racing games in those days. You know, my I was saving my coins for uh, yeah. beat 'em ups and fighting games mostly. Sure, arcade action, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, work began on Daytona uh, after Virtual Racing had been a hit on uh, in May 1993. This was on the improved and uh, new, shiny and more expensive Model Two board, whereas Virtual Racing was Model One. Uh, apparently, the idea was conceived during one of uh, Nagoshi's visits to North America, where he went to watch uh, a NASCAR race 
At the time, uh, Nagoshi and his team were looking for new ways to expand and develop the racing genre, and the simplistic yet exciting nature of NASCAR prompted the team to try to emulate this in video game form. Uh, during development, the game was originally known simply as Daytona, as it often still is today, and briefly as Daytona GP. Uh, Daytona itself being in Florida, that much I, I believe I know, and there is a there is a famous uh, race circuit there, although it doesn't appear in the first iteration of the game, because yeah, I don't think they had the license for the circuits yeah so actually although we've sort of jumped the gun in terms of the 25th anniversary because apparently the the arcade uh, prototype or, or early test version did uh, surface in japanese arcades in august 1993 exactly 25 years ago but the game wasn't distributed worldwide until march 94 and april 94 so uh, but here we are as good a time to celebrate uh, the incredible longevity of daytona as any and uh, on that subject, here's Joshi Hatsumitsu from our forum, kanorince.com slash forum, who says one of the reasons game centers and arcades still exist in Japan today is because they create experiences that are either impossible or just plain too expensive to replicate at home. Sure, you can emulate the ones and zeros very accurately in the software, and you can even challenge other players either sitting next to you with a controller or online. But the atmosphere of the arcade, the noise, the smells and the general sense of self-consciousness that comes from climbing into a very attention-seeking machine is missing. Let's quickly get this out of the way. If you like Daytona USA and haven't downloaded it yet, get it on XBLA or PSN or whatever because it's a fantastic emulation and it's ridiculously affordable. And if you haven't played it, download it anyway for the same reasons. And if you hate Daytona, download it and hate it at home. But when the opportunity arises, you come across a large congregation of Daytona machines in the wild, hop in. If you're with your friends, you will have a blast. And if you're on your own, you will be too busy enjoying the game to care what strangers think of you. The fact of the matter is, as of 2018, I can still find Daytona USA machines pretty easily in Australia, a country where arcades died a long time ago. I can't imagine that these are affordable machines to maintain either, but clearly there must be enough people pumping money in to justify hanging on to them. It's an inclusive experience, as you will see parents and kids both jumping in and crashing around the track, or later at night with the boys after a few drinks climbing in and demonstrating why you shouldn't drink and drive in real life. Games like Daytona USA still make arcades and game centres unique and fun places to be. Sure, playing it in the comfort of your own home is great and you can really dissect and study strategies, but it's best enjoyed when you're out and about. So get out of the house and track down your nearest cabinet. Uh, I don't have to go far to do that, but uh, Marvin, uh, you're based in New York City, I believe. Yes. Can you still find a, a Daytona cab without too much trouble? Absolutely. Um, luckily, we have... Uh a bar um, called Barcade. There's about three locations in the city, um, yeah. one in Williamsburg and two in Manhattan. Um, I think one in Chelsea and one in Lower East Side, and they all feature four cab setups for awesome. Daytona in the USA. Nice. They still do. Uh, yeah. So it's I amazing. actually, yeah, yeah, it's actually nice. It, it does get a lot of run, you know, usually when uh, I walk in there, there's at least, um, it's the most popular, it's one of the most popular ones. You'd see at least two people on there. Rarely would you, would you get four because it's mostly a, a date night sort of yeah. um, bar. Right. Uh, yeah, but every once in a while, you'll see people on either the Daytona machine or the four-player Pac-Man. Yes. And, and yeah. four of those uh, sit-down cabinets take up a lot of floor space, probably, right? They, they do, uh, but it's pretty large. It, it's it's like warehouse-sized, mm, each yeah. of the barcades I've been to. They're, they're pretty warehouse-sized. If I had to guess how many cabinets they actually have, wow. It's well over fifty in there. I, I think, oh, wow. they, they, yeah, most of them are classic. 
And do you remember seeing it back in the day for the first time? Did it make Fun, an impression? Fun Time USA was my local, or at least the closest arcade I knew. Uh, this was years ago. I must have been in elementary school, and it was one of the loudest cabinets yeah. there. So that's what drew my attention to it. And I vaguely remember sitting down, going through, and of course doing terribly. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure any child would pick up the drifting mechanics um, no. immediately um, with your limited coins. Um, but I do remember um, hearing it and playing it, and that's about it. Um, I didn't put too much time in it as a child. Or I actually haven't put too much time in it in the arcades at all, to be honest. Mm. It's mostly the next time I, I got a chance was the Dreamcast release. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Daytona 2001, 2001, right? yes, that one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was only, I think it was just called Daytona USA in America, wasn't it, that version? Um, but anyway, we're going to talk about the, all the spin-off sequels and, and home versions uh, later on. Um, so yeah, Mikhail, uh, so you said you weren't looking out for uh, arcade races, but you must have noticed this, uh, oh, yeah. with the, the polygons and the textures and, and all this I, stuff. Yeah, I've seen it around. Yeah, I, I probably didn't appreciate how it looked. Uh, as much as I should have, because uh, it was racing games from back then were definitely more my brother's thing. Probably the the only times that I really paid attention to racing games uh, in the arcades were really in the eighties with the super scalar games, you know, the yeah. the outruns and uh, what have you. Mm-hmm. And there was this other game by Sega as well. It was still it wasn't a three D racer. It was earlier than that. Uh, and I remember the uh, Sonic mascot dangling on the rearview mirror in that uh, that game. It was also a sprite. Radmobile. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's another one that piqued my attention, but probably because of the Sonic mascot dangling yeah. on the rearview mirror. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, at that time, I, I kind of left those caps uh, by the wayside and I was... Uh, Throwing money into fighting games and uh, scrolling, uh, scrolling beat 'em ups. But yeah, my my brother probably jumped in uh, a Daytona cab a couple of times, and uh, I've seen him around the the, the big orange uh, or or yeah, it's it's the color is almost it's the Hornets color, right? Like it's uh yeah, it's a light lighter shade of red, but very bright, and uh, yeah, there's just this humongous machines. Yeah, so I remember very clearly the first day I saw Daytona USA. It was oddly, it was exactly the same trip to the arcades which I first saw Ridge Racer. Mm. And uh, I think I saw Daytona first and I noticed the big Sonic uh, kind of carving in, in, the, in the wall there. I don't remember the game being cranked up that loud at, at this point in this particular arcade. Uh, so I, didn't, I wasn't exposed straight away to the, the infamous blaring attract mode. Um, but... I, yeah, so I I remember seeing it and, and seeing Ridge Racer at the same time and thinking I was immediately more impressed with Ridge Racer. Then I ended up getting a PlayStation um, before I got a Saturn, so I ended up playing Ridge Racer, uh, which was, you know, arguably a, a stronger port of the game to a home system than the port of Daytona. We'll talk about that later. Um, so I, I, I guess I was always more of a Ridge Racer guy, but as the time went on, um, the, the, the game just continued to be in the arcades near where i lived beyond 
the Ridge Racer games. And in fact, today I was walking back through town. Uh, unfortunately, there's no way I could actually get to the arcade that has the four player sit down Daytona because uh, it was a Brighton Pride, which is a, a huge deal. There were half a million people in town today for the for the massive festival party kind of situation. So uh, I never would have got actually into the arcade but it's still there it's it's mm. pretty much next door to the place i first saw it 25 or 24 years ago uh and i could still go and play it yeah anytime i wanted really i think they maintain it maintain it you occasionally see people on it and although i'm definitely not an expert player um far 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 from it uh i have jumped on to uh daytona cabs many times over the years for that extra uh experience that you get from the the cacophony of noise and the force feedback steering wheels uh, and all that good stuff so um yeah it's uh, it's been a it's been a part of my life for as yeah almost as long as i can remember uh, so yeah there were variant variations of the cabinet and you will still see different variations around depending on where you are in the world and how much space and money your arcade had bear in mind that the model 2 board when it first came out was around $15,000 so add to that on top of it the price of the, the cabinets as well the the machine parts that went into into those the monitors big monitors and all that kind of thing these were not cheap machines to buy uh, i imagine most of them have paid for themselves by now. Uh, this is the highest grossing sit-down video game in history, Daytona USA, uh, which is not too shabby. But my first impressions were so so much to do with the visuals. Ridge Racer and Daytona on the same day uh, was mind-boggling, very similar memories to the first time I saw Space Harrier, talking about Sega cabinets and sprite scalers. Mm. First time I saw Space Harrier in 85, my mind was boggled. Afterburner and then, 2 then and Galaxy yeah. Force, Galaxy Force 2. Yeah. And I, but I think it was I think it was Space Harry in particular because partly because the subject matter was so appealing to me and partly because it was the first other than uh, Buck Rogers Planet of Zoom which which came a couple of years before it was the first game of that of that type that I'd seen and it was as I've mentioned before they had those up on pedestals on 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 the pier in Brighton and 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 it was a big deal but but I have it almost equally strong memories of seeing Daytona and Ridge Racer for the for the first time because this was the first time I'd seen 60 frames a second textured polygons being thrown around um, because again you know I'd seen we'd, we'd had polygon games before going as far back as iRobot in 1984 um, you know which was a cool game run at a slower frame rate but this was something else seeing all these it's uh, seeing like the the clouds reflecting on the I know it's actually a complete fake but the clouds reflecting on the back <laughs> of the cars um, and uh, yeah stuff details like that that giant sonic uh, carved into the wall and these cars colored covered in decals so much color and so smooth it really was uh, at, at 496 by 384 resolution it, it looked eye-meltingly good back in 1994 the thing that really impressed here and still does, it still looks nice to me, is 60 frames a second and fully texture mapped and actually even filtered polygons. So you're not even getting uh, the same sort of level of blockiness as you would expect from uh, a game a few years down the line because mm. these uh, these were higher resolution assets and they had a they had like some kind of interpolation or mip mapping or whatever you call it. Yeah. 
playing the uh, XBLA downloadable version. Of course, it's actually not the same as the original. It's no, up, it's even up-rest. higher res. Yeah, it's yeah. up res. There's uh, the draw draw distance is actually further because in yes. the uh, arcade version, the original, there's a, still uh, some pop in. Pop in, yeah. Um, but just you know, it's funny because you compare it to let's say Xbox 360 races or PS3 races. It's funny just how incredibly smooth Daytona still plays and how impressive that still is to some degree. Um, and it makes you wonder be- uh, because this game undoubtedly played to the strengths of its uh, arcade hardware, this super expensive Model, t- uh, Model 2 uh, hardware. And nowadays, I'm going to sound like a grumpy old man here, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of developers, even of racing games, are kind of obsessed with post-processing and a lot of effects that can really, you know, hamper performance or at least influence performance to a certain degree. To where so the Forza Horizon Daytona... games are still 30 FPS, for instance, even on uh, even on powerful modern Xbox hardware. One X. Yeah. 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 Right. So th- this game is still, to some degree, just how it feels and how smooth it is. It's so much. So, so incredibly impressive, yeah. The, there's no substitute for the sensation of speed. That's what granted its lo- lo- longevity, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have the 30 F... I think something like Forza Horizon, that targets 30 FPS because of all of the bells and whistles, but the, yeah. the mainline Forza games, they, they target um, 60. Yes. But when, when you play a 60 FPS racer, no matter whatever, um, that sensation of speed still hits you. And mm-hmm. I think that's what Daytona gets, and or something like Outrun also has, yeah. Um, and and that what really that's what really helps um gives it its longevity. You know, looking at it, I remember in, in the arcade you were talking about all of the bells and whistles, and it felt more 3D in my memory than it actually <laughs> is because I'm looking at the car texture, and I feel like the the roll cage, the bars in the front and the back, they were polygons, and I'm noticing now they you know they're they're just textures. And I, I guess at the time, it just felt so much more realistic than anything else that was available in the arcade. Yeah, perhaps your memory slightly conflated with Daytona 2, which did have polygonal uh, roll bars and all that kind of thing. That, that could be it too, you're right. Yeah. But yes, I mean, this is why we always talk, obviously, uh, as, as as listeners know, we talk about games from all era, all the eras of the history of games. And context is so important in terms of what we were expected to see at the time what what our eyes and brains were familiar with seeing at the time and this was this was you know some next level stuff uh in terms of uh, visuals and you know i i uh did and still do and thankfully the rest of the world seems to still love uh, pixel art as well um it's as, as as big as ever really um but i was this we just come kind of we were just actually in the period of I was concerned that games were going down the interactive CD-ROM route and uh, we were going to get these kind of terrible, yeah, these terrible sort That's of FMV-based <laughs> based movie games. And that was where the industry was going. And I was thinking, no, my, my video games, my 16-bit, you know, my, my, my parallax scrolling and my, my pixel art and all this stuff. And actually, I think when these games came along, when Virtual Racing and then Day- Daytona came along, it actually started to reassure me that there were other ways that the technology could continue to improve but still offer these fantastic, you know, pure video game experiences without any attempt to kind of ape cinematic, you know, interactive yeah. cinema or anything like this. So it was yeah, it was an exciting time. Speaking uh, of uh, the aesthetics, 
what a lot large part of what you're saying also ties into just you know that sega flair that uh, oh yeah that donut sure. has like the, the and there, there's even a song in the game about it, the blue skies yeah um <laughs> and you know it's it, i think just it transcends just the pure technology only just by the way the game uh, uses colors and uh, yeah. uh, and and certain textures like you mentioned the 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 sonic carving and the rocks there's just so much yeah so much flair and and eye-popping detail to it and fun uh yeah mm. there's just like this is not a nascar simulation in any way uh, Thank- thankfully is... no Absolutely, yeah thankfully <laughs> thankfully not <laughs> yeah. it's one of it has one of that 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 sega charm where it's more than just taking the turn. You just don't know what visual feast you'll see on the other side of the turn. Will it yeah. be a windmill? Will it be Pirate like ship. Said, exactly or a sonic mountain or something like that? And it's it, so it's really coming at you. Maybe every five to ten seconds, you're seeing something new on the same track or something that's yeah. moving other than the cars. Mm. It really ties back to the original Outrun, which had a similar feel yeah. of just going on a drive and sort of seeing the yes. landscape unfold before you windsurfers and yeah in this game you've got uh gulls and things ha- hanging around the car yeah. uh yeah it's it's important stuff and obviously yeah the the color palette is extremely vivid full 16 mm. bit color um and uh the song and the art i think this is kind of where the the sega blue skies thing kind of started it wasn't necessarily the first sega game that had blue skies in it but the <laughs> fact that the the song was actually pointing out look Blue, blue skies uh, and just the whole feel good factor uh, that locked into that um, became a whole kind of thing uh, for for the brand for the next, um, well, I guess at least 10 years. Uh, one thing that was notable about the coin op as well, obviously, it's a completely normal part of uh of games uh, going forward, the, the ability to manipulate the camera. Um, but this was coming away from uh, Sprite games from the last, you know, the the previous 20-something years of the medium to this point. The idea of having four selectable views was actually a, a selling point on the front of the cabinet. So because obviously you can, you know, if, 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 you, if you've got a, a geom- geometric model of the car, um, it's just a case of... Um, telling you know just shuffling the maths around a bit to to tell the camera where to point um so in this game you had four multi big fat multicolored buttons you didn't even cycle between them uh in the way that you would in a in a in a home game it was like this button does this view and this button does this view um and there's a big splash on the on the screen saying try four views with the vr button um because vr was a cool hip phrase in 1993 as well this was a carryover from Virtual Racing, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. it, this wasn't the this wasn't the debut. When when you approached a Daytona cabinet, obviously now it's not a big deal. You know, you kind of you probably have your favorite, whether it's the bumper cam or, or the bonnet cam or the behind the car cam. Um, but actually, at the time, I just, I just remember you know playing around with it and going, "Oh look, <laughs> you know, like I can change the view." Um, yeah, the 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 furthest back one, the highest zoomed out one, still feels quite odd to me uh but i don't know if any i don't know if any expert yeah, players it's, it's more like uh becomes something more like uh micro machines or neo drift out or something almost like that. yeah yeah sorry yeah it's, it's just it's uncomfortable yeah <laughs> watching some expert players earlier uh play this game on on youtube uh, they weren't using that camera they uh, they they're very much um all about the you know the camera where you can't see any of the car at all basically just uh just 
with your nose on the on the tarmac on the asphalt kind of thing. Let's say the the cockpit view. Uh, I guess so, yeah. yeah. But it's actually it's not, is it? It's, it's right on the bumper, really, isn't it? There's no. Yeah, yeah, um, that would be bumper cam. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. It's just low into the ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is still a popular choice on on modern racers like uh, like like the Forzas and and things like that. Yeah, it's f- funny because um, I nowadays play the game with a steering wheel, uh, and other plays uh, games I play with steering wheel, I usually go for uh, the cockpit or bumper view cam, but. Somehow not with Daytona. I just stick to the default uh, behind the bumper view. Oh, okay. Yeah, is, uh, is that the default? Oh, I I didn't... The chase camera, yes. Yeah, the chase, chase camera. Chase, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so you can see the car. Um, yeah, probably the one the one on the bonnet gives you the best view of the damage, <laughs> but that's only cosmetic <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, and early other uh, early experiences uh, of this uh, sort of impressions that it left involved um, still, and I think this is still part of the character of the game is the fact that the car is not smooth on the road, as well as having um, these sort of comically by today's standards uh, not round tires. They actually, you know, they've got these this very sort of angular. You can see the polygons in the tires, kind of thing. But the car kind of bumps along. You know, it it's very much it's vibrating the whole mm-hmm. and it. it Real, it still really conveys a, a sense of um, speed and being ever so. Whereas, you know, in Ridge Racer, you've got these glassy, icy, smooth uh, sports cars which really hug the road. In Daytona, it's got that kind of uh, slightly gnarly, gravelly kind of feel to it. It's almost as, as if these are stock cars that go f- way faster than they should be going. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. And um, that, that kind of goes uh, back again to the sense of speed that Marvin was also talking about. Um, we, the uh, super plays that I've watched, mm. uh, um, they uh, the players were maintaining a top speed that was borderline yeah. F-Zero uh, yeah. G- GX. It's like 300k speed. or yeah. something, isn't it? Near, Stupidly near fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah almost, almost 400 k- kilometers an hour, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Uh, Again, hard, necess- uh, probably hard for, for some folks listening to this to kind of get into the, the mindset. Um, but suffice to say that this was, yeah, the, uh, it felt like another uh, a leap forward in, in terms of visuals, depending on what you'd seen, you know, before and after Ridge Racer came out just ahead of it and, and so on. But, but I think it's fair to say that uh, this was part of Sega pushing video gaming technology forward again as they had done throughout their history up to this point yeah just adding details that you may not think are especially necessary but just the fact that the car vibrates like it does um does add some visual feedback when you're spinning out or it tells you a little bit about how much traction you have in the turn um Mm. so it, it it is useful visual feedback but it is you know pretty it is a flare it's just pretty to look at yeah, and uh, this game also retains from. Uh, I'm not sure how the crashes were in Virtua, but um, but obviously Outrun was well known for having these spectacular flip outs, um, <laughs> in you know, where you ended up sitting uh, on the grass uh, on your backsides with with uh, with your passenger waving a finger at you. But here, <laughs> um, 
uh, you've got you know polygonal crashes, um, so similar stuff. But there's there, it feels like uh, there's a certain amount of um, I don't know how much of it is emergent, how much of it is canned. But the cars can kind of flip around and flip off the track, and you also get um, something that wasn't always common and, and still isn't to as much as of a degree as I'd like. Uh, opponent cars will kind of take each other out and um, spin off and and make mistakes and all that kind of thing. So uh, with this grid of forty cars in the first race. Uh, in particular where it's very tight the whole way around uh, there's a real sense of being on the track with even if you're playing a solo game there's a real sense of kind of competition on the circuit oh absolutely yeah. that sense of competition um i was the first time you play the game i think it's very surprising to see cars flip over or spin yeah. out um, yes. without your involvement and it, it really adds a sense of realism where it, the ai is just is not just out to get you yeah. Um, they're out to get each other. So it does make it feel a little bit more real and more visceral. Yeah. I mean, what the cars don't have here to, if you know, to be critical, because that's what we do. Um, there's very little sense of weight when they actually yeah. crash. Uh, that's what a... I was going to say. The yeah. ca- crash where you, f- where you flip over, it feels more like a kid throwing a toy car around. So. Yeah. <laughs> a toy car made of helium balloons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the th- the, what's also kind of unique i feel going back to daytona is that usually cars that uh, or racing games that feature crazy crashes like this they sort of pause the 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 game and put you back on the track in a straight way Um, yeah especially you know checkpoint base uh, checkpoint base races Mm. outrun outrun 2 does it uh, the burnout games do it but in this one you just Keep on keeping on. Yeah, yourself out. Yeah, after after you uh, flip over. Spin outs don't seem to cause as much of a, a penalty to your speed as flipping over, even hitting the walls do. I don't know if that's just something I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you if you spin out, it feels like you could probably still stay above a um, hundred. Well, I was playing yeah. miles per yeah. hour. You could still stay above a hundred miles per hour, and yeah. you know, and continue right back into second, third gear, and then get back into fourth. Um, but crashing definitely has a high penalty. And I think hitting the wall, even if you don't um, crash hard and yeah. flip out and everything, it, um, it it still feels like it has a harsher penalty than just yeah. plain spinning out. Sever- severely uh, affects your speed. Um, the damage car, I feel, but maybe I'm not correct here, that it also affects your handling sometimes. Like, you start sort of like layering to the left or right. Or well, that's tire wear, trouble. yeah. Or yeah. that's probably tire wear, not yeah. so much the, the, the beating yeah. up of your, of your no. chassis. Then. No, it's, um, but obviously if you've, yeah, if you've rubbed or, or rubbed the wall or, or spun out, I think it just automatically adds a bunch of damage to your tires and, and, uh, and compromises the handling accordingly um and hence this game has pit stops uh but yeah um, more on that one of the things as i already said i i guess as much as the blue skies really um and our, our forum feedback and three word reviews uh, alludes to this a lot uh, this game is very much about its sound uh, as much as uh, as the visuals were so impressive and and technologically uh, advanced back in in 93 94 the audio is probably one of the things that still keeps people coming back in an interview with will freeman from the guardian in october 2017 uh, takanobu mitsuyoshi the musician uh, said during the development of daytona namco released ridge racer and our mission was beat them at all costs 
the eccentric composer who also sung his own lyrics for the game said I developed the sound of virtual racing and I implemented vocal sounds for that game as part of its sound effects the results were good so my idea for beating Namco from the view of sound composer was to add songs to the game and record those songs by myself uh, and Sinclair Gregstrom from the Cana Rinse Forum says the music, which initially seems like a grating cacophony of J-Rock, synergized with the newly grasped gameplay to become a glorious and essential part of the experience. Uh, yeah, the 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 shout of Daytona or the, the, the singing of Daytona uh, in its sort of clipped samples, but loud blaring became synonymous with the arcades. Yeah, forever till the death of the arcade, basically. <laughs> <laughs> One one of the options um, from the Saturn version onwards, uh, and and yes, in that XBLA PSN version, is uh, that you can choose between the arranged version of the soundtrack, which is uh, re-recorded with instruments and with actual kind of uh, complete contiguous vocal tracks. But there's a very unique and specific sound to the original arcade track, which is uh, the default soundtrack if you download uh, that that version, where as I say, all the sounds are kind of clipped clipped up and and kind of re-put together mm. uh, in the most economical way possible but it gives this it gives this very specifically daytona sound that um i like you know I'll, I'll happily switch between the two but that kind of slightly clipped version is the one that i associate with the arcades the one where it sounds like it's jumping from rather than being somebody singing daytona it sounds like the sounds of that having been re-stitched back together, which I suspect is probably yeah, not a million sam- miles from the truth. And cut yeah. Up and, uh, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Yeah. But yes, um, I was never good enough at the arcades to uh, kind of get to the later tracks, um, you know, the, the time limits being what they were and me not being a proper uh, a gear shifting drift player. Uh, I didn't get to hear these extra tunes until uh, I got the, the Dreamcast version. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a joy to finally be able to um, race around as badly as I wanted to with the time limits cranked up and whatever just so i could enjoy actually playing the circuits and hearing all these uh deliciously literal cheesy uh j-rock tunes play out in there in full and um, the thing is about the lyrics is they're not they, they were written in english and they're not exactly what you'd call english you know badly translated but they're just incredibly literal they're yeah. just they're just like they're telling you what's happening and why it's fun and there's something so deliriously charming about that <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, together with uh, with the kids, we've got some favorite cheesy vocal video game uh, tracks. Oh, and awesome! We actually uh, for one of the first compilations that we I burned on a on a CDR, uh, we dumped the Daytona song and Blue Blue Skies uh, on <laughs> on uh, on one of those CDs, and I yeah just on various driving holidays around Europe. Uh, <laughs> With oh, the blue, yes. blue skies blaring out on a bright, bright and summer day, it's just perfect. Yeah, it's just irresistible somehow. Yeah, uh, and as I say, you'll you'll hear from uh, from some more of our correspondents that the music has not been forgotten. Although uh, quite a number of people have got Game Over Year muddled up in their heads with uh, <laughs> with the jingle from uh, from this game, which is which is slightly different, uh, but yeah. also by the same by the same guy, of course. Very much cut up as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
So let's talk about uh, the mechanics. It sounds like none of us is a truly uh, top-tier expert player, uh, as is often the case, because, uh, you know, we play a lot of stuff. But um, but hopefully we can get across what it is about this game and other, and other elements of this game, that, or, as well as it being a, a fun, accessible game for just people who want to sit down and pretend to be a race car driver for a bit. Uh, there is, as... With almost every Sega game ever, there's also a really hardcore game in here and with a high uh, kind of expertise ceiling as well. Um, Sinclair Gregstrom from the forum says, When thinking about Daytona, I find it easiest to start with another game altogether, Sega Rally. Compared to its contemporary arcade racing brother released around a year later, Daytona felt slightly awkward and obtuse. Sega Rally was instant. The car went exactly where you pointed it. Power slides were simple to pull off and easy to control. It felt like you versus the track. Daytona, on the other hand, felt as much about you versus the car as anything else. It seemed to want to fight you, resisting your attempts to get round what to the eye looked like a fairly straightforward sweeping corner. It was just never as much fun until it clicked. I can't really remember when it clicked or how it clicked or even what version I was playing but click it did, and what had felt like a wrestling match with a frustratingly unresponsive lump of metal became a joyous ballet of power slides that was as satisfying as almost anything I'd ever played. Either of you guys got to that point? Because I haven't, but I've improved. Maybe in the beginner track, but definitely not medium or advanced. Uh, I do like his description because in the arcade, it... it uh, it does feel, I guess, like you're fighting the wheel at yes. times. Mm. Yeah, it, it, like it, it's actively telling you, "No, um, you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna have to arm wrestle me to do this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but at home, um, I did spend enough time on the beginner track. Just you, you learn a lot just from the Sonic Mountain turn. Um, yeah. When you first start, you're mm. like, "Okay, I can't, I can't just speed through here." If you're using manual braking, may not be enough. And then once you figure out how to drift. It, there's even more nuance to the drifting and it's yeah. very different from i went into it expecting it to be like outrun yeah and it, it's not I, well I, I could say once you're in a drift you could control the car to a certain level like you can in outrun but getting into the drift and oh, pulling yeah. out of it it's still slightly different but so the principles much, are yeah. yeah but the principles are, are there where you want to point the car out of the turn at yeah. the highest speed possible and once you start the drift, you really want to control the car through it. And you and that may not necessarily involve um, pointing at the apex. So and when you it, say, takes, it takes some time. Yeah, Right. Sure. And when you say outrun, you mean outrun 2 or 2006, right? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, not not the original outrun. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah, just outrun 2 or 2006. I'm with you. Mm. Yeah, it's, so in outrun 2 and 2006 or coast to coast, um, you... You kind of, it's very, um, you can be very laid back about the drifting in those games because you sort of, once you activate a drift, you can sort of hang in there and sort of, uh, sort of cruise control around a sharp corner almost. Yes, exactly. It's like Mario jumping mechanics almost. Yeah, yeah. And it feels so good. So going back to, uh, Daytona USA, um, the drift is, it's like, like, standing on the tip of a needle somehow you know it's uh, yeah it's 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 very easy to oversteer during a drift and just 
start spinning out of control. Uh, you really have to find some a very sweet spot or balance in there. And I'm, I think I still don't really have the hang of it, actually. Another good way to get the hang of the game is actually the challenge mode in the uh, XBLA and PSN uh, version. They're, uh, you know, bit, bit by bit, they'll give you different challenges or centered around different parts of the tracks. Uh, especially, there's there's some time spent on the on that first uh, first uh, or the last corner on the the beginner course as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a quote: uh, the third and final turn of the beginner course in all games, uh, all Daytona games, is a sharp turn that mandates power sliding through it to complete it without losing a lot of speed. Unfortunately, new players of the original are not likely aware of how to power slide and usually end up eating wall. The end result is that an overwhelming majority of players run out of time before finishing the required laps because they slam into the wall every time. But yeah, yeah. this is your it's your tutorial effectively, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah, it's can... a hard lesson. Yeah, hard lesson for sure, yeah. If, if you don't have a grasp on a drift, you can cheese it a little bit by just yeah. uh, letting go of the accelerator and yeah. sort of sliding across a little bit of wall. Or uh, even better, stay on the inside of the course and sort of uh, let yeah. the other cars in the in the, in the same uh, <laughs> corner uh, catch you before you even slam into the wall, you know? Yeah. You, can, you can sort of push into them to get get around that corner it's fast. a legitimate nascar technique as i understand it as well um <laughs> yeah. yeah scraping trading paint or whatever they call it yeah and another another thing that uh sinclair grexton noted which i was also was otherwise also going to bring up was the of course the sega rally comparison uh sega rally feels so smooth and indeed daytona it feels like you're trying to control a projectile that's uh, speeding yeah. out of control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've still never fully made peace with it in my myself, but I'm I've done it. I've done enough corners over the years well to know that there is there is a you know there is a skill ceiling that is mm. there that I'm just not at. Whereas with Ridge Racer, I got that game home in early 1995 on my PS1, and I played that one circuit hundreds of times, and I absolutely nailed the the drifting in that game and it's there it's there to be nailed like it's not it's it's not uh it's not nearly as demanding or ask as much as you but i'm still finding even playing daytona usa in the last couple of days that i still want to get better at it like i know that there's 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 more that i can do even at this advanced age to actually learn these corners and again watching uh you know there's some as always, there's some great videos out there. Uh, I was watching a guy take first on every all three courses uh, earlier on uh, on an actual coin op, and it just it it looks so delicious when when they really lock you know they're they're really locking every um, every drift, nailing it to perfection. Seeing somebody playing Daytona well even in 2018 still looks like something I wish wish I could. I wish I could do, I wish I could nail it, um, but I don't have a force feedback steering wheel. The modern version, the that XBLA PS3 version does support um, modern arcade wheels. So, you know, there's still that chance. Yeah, I I think looking back at it uh, from a historical perspective and uh, drawing comparisons, I think I sort of have come to terms that it's not like OutRun 2 and it's no. not like Sega Rally and uh, no. it's actually a lot more and this is how I started to get more of a feel for it it's a lot more than F-Zero GX and AX yeah, in that right. sense like with the just the crazy speed and therefore uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit 
<laughs> as as we as we realized <laughs> yeah yeah well no that's that's more like the original f-zero than uh gx yeah, true, or true, ax true. um but yeah good one um <laughs> no it's uh and except for the drifting which is re- very different again in uh, f-zero gx and ax but just sort of the the feeling of um careening over the track i suppose and uh trying to um take corners without the drifting coming into into play yeah that's actually a good point um other other than just drifting using the shifter that finding that perfect um where where your traction locks in you could feel the car lock into the traction and you know you're not going to hit the wall on the outside but that you're, you're all of your wheels are gripping and you're heading towards the inside because you've sort of maintained a slight drift or you've initiated the turn at the right moment where it makes even the easiest turns possible to optimize Mm. where you know you could have an easy turn and just get through it but did you shave off as much time as you could have yeah so that's still there that's true people are still trying to beat their times yeah um i started playing the um um, time time trial mode as well uh, for the last couple of days and i'm playing this on, with an official xbox 360 force feedback steering wheel with pedals oh which great is, uh, was really really cool i mean it's oh, almost the arcade jealous. experience but not, not quite yeah um but i was sitting there with my um seven-year-old son next to me and I started to take corners, some corners, some tricky corners really well after getting to know the courses better. And I sort of <laughs> let out these like, woo, like those kind of <laughs> noises of excitement, you know, and just looked oh, at him side. He was man. like, did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> I took that corner and he was That's like just so cool. nodding, nodding along with it. And uh, yeah, it started really feeling really good uh, to play it that way. Oh, that is that is excellent. Um, yeah, yeah, and actually, I I jumped straight ahead because we we got talked talking about the music and then the handling. But one of the aspects we haven't talked about is the sound design beyond just the, the those famous tunes. And uh, I guess there's probably not that many different sound effects, but obviously the two two of the absolutely key ones are the engine noises and the uh, and the the squealing of tires. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while those, uh, I, I guess they're not like especially sophisticated by modern standards, but again, they absolutely communicate that what's going on uh, in that same heightened reality way as as the visuals do, I think. Um, so back to the, the 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 drifting. So in the uh, in the sort of digital how to the manual in the the downloadable version that's uh, that's kind of the easiest way to play this now. Other than going to your nearest arcade, uh, it specifies the difference between a brake drift and a gear drift. Now down drift down shifting, sorry, in Daytona is the easiest way to get the car into a slide. Although uh, apparently doing so, I'm, I don't drive, certainly not NASCAR. Uh, but apparently doing that in a real car would grenade the engine. A situation known famously uh, as the the money shift. The money shift. So it's funny that Sega plays with that as much of car fans as we we could tell their developers are. But to include that in so many of their games where yeah. you have to shift in order mm-hmm. to drift. Yeah, is is pretty interesting. Um, so they they they're very lax on which mechanics they want to exaggerate. Um, clearly, yeah, you, you know it's it's their car fantasy. What is more fun for the player? And slamming it into first gear to drift. I mean, there can't be anything much more fun than that. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm one of those uh, chickens who normally by default opts for automatic gears uh, because probably because I don't drive in real life. And so I find having that much extra stuff to, to think about uh, yeah. actually distracting. But I am always completely aware that the best way to get the most out of your car and generally the most out of the game is, is to go for manual. Um, yeah. And I've read this over and over again in the last few days. Yeah, in in real life, I have to drive drive uh, a manual shift uh, shifted car. Yeah, yeah. In in racing games, I'm the same. Uh, I I feel like I have too much to worry about staying on the track already as it is, and uh, you know, just maintaining high speeds. Yeah. but it's to, worth to be to to be messing around with up up and down shifting. It's but worth yeah. making the jump if you can. It is. I've, I've actually started to use the uh, the manual transmission uh, in recent uh, in these, these recent days on uh, on Daytona. Also because it kind of feels good uh, as as fast as you can uh, uh, shift the maximum gear. It's uh, when you keep your eyes on the speedometer on the on the top and just see the needle go and then immediately shift up. And especially the first two shifts, uh, you can make those sh- you can upshift very quickly and uh, and get a good speed going on. And I think the manual transmission car is also the one with, that says Gallop uh, on the on the bonnet. Yeah. Uh, it also has the, has the highest top speed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A few extra mph or kph. Um, yeah. So uh, downshifting in Daytona is the easiest way to get the car to go into a slide, but doing so in a real car would grenade the engine. Uh, this is known as a money shift. You would never see a professional drifter downshift from fourth to first to coax the car sideways. Um, yeah, on the subject of the high skill ceiling, uh, this is again from the Will Freeman piece in The Guardian last October. Uh, for all Daytona USA's playfulness, though, it's a game with great nuance. Serious arcade players like David Decker Best are still exploring the depth of the original's famed handling model. Daytona USA has a fantastic amount of mechanical depth. That's the main reason I love it as much as I do, Best enthuses. I actually wrote a fairly extensive guide for the advanced course that gets into the specifics of handling. I consider myself a decent high-level player, but there is still a wide gap between myself and those competing for world records. The fact that I still have so much to learn and fully understand about this game is what compels me to continue playing and refining both my technique and understanding. The handling nuance really exists in the moments gear change are underway with almost every distinct upshift or downshift in Daytona USA offering a different way to manage drifting corners. The best players will gear change numerous times and with tremendous speed on bends, ricocheting the stick through its shift pattern. Best's guide to these complexities will eventually be updated, but only if he can tear himself away from his current goal of hitting a 41 second lap on the advanced course. A remarkable feat. Daytona USA wouldn't be what it is without the gear stick, arcade devotee and author of Waypoint's history of Sega racers, Ewan Hosey adds, It's by far my favourite thing about the gameplay and I never really appreciated it as a kid. Karate chopping into low gear as you try to navigate the hairpin bends of Dinosaur Canyon is a fantastic experience that makes you feel more like an actual driver. Playing Daytona USA with automatic transmission is on is fun for beginners in the way that bowling with the bumpers up is fun for beginners. But it's just not the same. There you go. Bowling with bumpers if you're playing with uh, manual gears. <laughs> yeah, I think, think that's accurate. Uh, one of the things, it, this being an arcade game, uh, has uh, an arcade-style racer as well. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of the arcade-style racer that all contemporary games that claim to be arcade-style racers are, are based on. <laughs> I think this is where the, the kind of... Um, 
the the aesthetic uh, and the and the vibe was kind of uh, locked in for forever. Um, rubber banding AI is is a factor. Um, so there is uh, it will let you. Uh, even if you drive horrifically in the first few laps, you will still get the chance to uh, overtake a few back markers or whatever. Um, and if you drive particularly well, uh, they will keep up keeping the pressure on behind you uh, in the style of, say, I guess the the touchstone for many is Mario Kart 64 in particular, uh, where the rubber banding is off the charts. Uh, but I think it makes sense um, not to have a... Uh, I mean, apart from anything on the technical level, you obviously wouldn't be able to have a grid of 40 independently AI'd cars in a 1993 coin-op. Um, but also it's designed to be a, a racing, a, a big, a large field multiplayer kind of racing game experience. And it, it just wouldn't work if you were either like on your own at the back or the front. So the rubber banding is kind of, I'd say it's kind of has to be baked into an experience like this. Oh, definitely. Eight laps and seeing that you're starting out at 40 is pretty daunting. Um, yes. Yeah. If, if you're if it's the first time you've loaded the game up. I don't know. In, in your research, did you did you find out if there was like a limit to how many cars can actually be displayed on screen? Mm. I'm wondering about that. Having 40 cars on there. And I, <laughs> I know there's kind of a groove to there where you have, especially in the beginner track, where you have an opportunity to pass a pack of racers. Yeah. And then there's a, a bit of a lull and then yeah. you have another pack. Definitely. And, yeah. yeah. I'm sure there is a limit. I don't know what it is, um, but I think no, I think maybe you see, obviously, the, the geometry of the cars gets simpler the further ahead of the head they are. So you don't mm. get the, the full detailed model. And I don't think even the most detailed model of the AI cars is ever as detailed as your own car model um, i'm pretty sure also that uh it never has to display 40 cars at all times oh no 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 that's what we're saying it can be, I, it can be dumped into cash and uh like only dis display of course the ones that are visible at that time yeah no exactly i think i think it's only ever probably i, I doubt I've, I've never counted but my my hunch is that when you go into that first corner the most you'll ever see is five or six maybe um boxy uh boxy models further down the line kind of thing yeah uh yeah, yeah. there's no way it could uh it could do tons and tons without slowdown and and uh, as our friend john linneman of digital foundry uh explored in his video he actually said that this game was one of the chief um sort of uh examples of a game where he really became aware of how important uh, 60 frames was to his appreciation of of uh you know responsive fast arcade games and when the home conversions uh, first arrived with the saturn version hitting 20 frames max uh that was you know it's a huge huge part of the difference um so sega would have absolutely made sure that whatever it took to keep the game locked at 60 frames a second that was that was uh, it was worth having fewer cars i guess at any particular time to maintain that that silky smooth 60 fps we mentioned uh erosion earlier now i remember seeing screenshots of the uh, of the pit stops in this game um but i don't suppose I mean, when would you actually, because I mean, because uh, basically in a tiny arcade race, sure, aren't you automatically, I know even with the rubber banding, aren't you automatically consigning yourself to not completing the circuit if you take no. a pit stop? Okay. No, the timer freezes when you hit the pit stop, but the other races keep on racing. So you yeah. can forget about your position. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You can forget about putting down a good record time. Yeah, but you can still uh, make the next checkpoint uh, uh -huh. if you okay. don't screw up any uh, in any other way. Um, 
yeah, I mean, if you if you want if you're seriously playing this game, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'll just keep on trucking with screwed up tires and uh, yeah. and a beat up car. Yeah, you're never going to see an expert player in the pits, are you? Yeah, I just don't know the utility of it. Is there any case on YouTube or anything where someone has actually pitted to an advantage? I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> I think more it was, it was probably more about having the feature there. I don't know. Maybe in like four-player multiplayer games, uh, I suppose it might become a factor. Um, but again, three three people are just going to muddle around on, on burnt out tires aren't they <laughs> and the other one one's gonna go no 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 i'm just gonna take a pit stop um I, maybe it was just about seeing the animation uh, and the pit crew with their bright yellow faces and uh, yeah. and hands which is slightly lego perturbing. people yes yeah i will say maybe um which course was it is it the the advanced course um expert where mm-hmm. they have the pit right at the beginning and mm. sometimes i do accidentally hit there thinking it was a shortcut oh right or if you don't take the turn probably yeah, so it feels yeah. like more of a trap where right. they place the pit <laughs> there <laughs> trap by the pit stuff yeah yeah that, ha- that has happened to me yeah so the circuits uh there are just three in the original coin op because uh, that was kind of how things worked back then although ridge race had just had three variations on one course so uh yeah um but this was it, it was uh, it was kind of normal back then um you had your 37 speedway or 777 speedway uh, it was just known as beginner in the original release uh a loop base loosely based on the pocono speedway is that in pennsylvania um essentially a circle that you race eight quick laps against 39 other cars uh it's the only it's the only one with the rolling start despite that being again such a kind of iconic element of this game you actually you have a standing start for the for the next two tracks but uh uh, this one asks you to hit the accelerator before the race begins uh, the advanced track later became known as Dinosaur Canyon, which sounds more like something out of Diddy Kong Racing or Mario Kart, but uh, you don't actually see any dinosaurs. But I guess the idea is it was somewhere that um, that might have been uh, home to fossils buried in the in the cliffs kind of thing. Uh, it's more challenging, as you'd expect, but only four laps and 20 cars. Uh, these are more actually, uh, these are not really based on NASCAR tracks. These are more like uh, traditional arcade racers um, and uh, obviously a bit more demanding in terms of the, the corners. I guess the iconic corner from Dinosaur Canyon is the big banked turn into the tunnel. Into the tunnel? Is it into? It, yeah, into the tunnel. Isn't that, it? There's a sort of an S-curve in front of the tunnel. Uh, you can uh, hit straight on. And after you come out of the tunnel, there's this... this a uh, really sharp one that mm, I, yeah. uh, at least in the Saturn version, always uh, slam into. <laughs> yeah, surrenders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Are you thinking of the one with um, Sega, sort of like um, etched into the grass? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. That one yeah, is la- think... that one is later on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's after after the the, the turn that I just uh, described. In my yeah, head, I've it. condensed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That the... is fa- that is a fantastic uh, bit of course design actually uh just the that that is again one of those things that sort of defines sega races for me like those sort of um tilted corners and t- tilted tilted tracks uh, banked like you said yeah yeah it's just feel, it feels almost roller coaster like you know the music yeah. played here is let's go away uh which uh the, which is the uh the shortened version of which is used as the attract mode probably the most famous track uh, even ahead of Sky High, which is yeah. p- 
played over uh, Seaside, Seaside Street Galaxy, as it later became known, uh, which is the track that a lot of people will just know as Blue Blue Skies. Uh, just two laps here because it's really long, but you've got 30 opponents. So it's kind of odd in the, this game has three tracks with a different number of cars on each uh, on each race. But uh, I guess that's yeah, that's unusual. Um, definitely uh, the toughest course to learn. Um, it's one of those where when you watch an expert player, they're kind of they don't even they don't even see all the peripheral stuff anymore they're just making a beeline through all these pillars and columns mm. and maze like junctions and but i'm I can, still confused. i can do that i can do that part but then Good. the first real sharp corner to uh the right after all the the pillars there yeah. uh, in which you can actually get caught and slam into a wall and you have to sort of reverse the car or turn it around to to get yeah. out of that trap that is a real pain in the behind. It depends on how you come out of that corner, how easy or challenging the next uh, corner will be. Of course, yeah. I mean, it is. It's, it's always with uh, with these games. Like if you and and I'm sure real racing as well. Um, it's so much about se- getting a sequence of good play together. Like because once you, it's like a yeah. Your your lap is like a, a stack of dominoes, isn't it? If you mess up one corner, then you don't have the right approach for the next one and so on mm-hmm. so Everything i know you, falls apart yeah you can recover yeah, to a degree but uh marv have you um have you spent any time on any of the home versions kind of getting familiar with the these other two tracks or uh, obviously later versions have even more circuits but these are the these are canonical tracks as far as i'm concerned yeah just on the xbox i spent a little bit of time on both of those tracks they proved a, a big jump up i'd say from the beginner yes because the beginner track seems like it's just there to teach you how to do that one drift turn. And once you have that and you move on to, um, what is it, medium, um, mm-hmm. it, it feels like taking specific turns, um, it's a bit more outrunnish where you have to do those two right angle turns almost. It's almost like two back to back, 90 degree turns. And I, I haven't gotten to the point where I've mastered drifting one way and then back out the other way if that's what that calls for mm. yeah well worth watching uh some expert players to see how they tackle these uh corners and then see if you can yeah. replicate it yeah yeah but but it is nice to know that that skill set was only it's only to teach you one thing and that the next tracks you, you it's like classic arcade like classic arcade sega yeah. where you have to learn a new skill and it's based on the skill that you that you just learned but it's not enough to get you through the rest of the game at all right mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I felt like I started to grasp Dinosaur Canyon mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, recent days. And I've only begun to get a bit of a gr- grasp on Seaside Street Galaxy. You'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, Seaside Street Galaxy just has so many vicious uh, corners to hit. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's a proper endurance run. I'm, I'm, I can come first on the beginner course uh but on the two next one i'm lucky to even finish the race yeah 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 i've given up on manual on those and i know that's probably not the the way to go Mm. but in order to learn the course i've I've just yeah Yeah. tried to focus on brake drifting that's fair sure yeah i think bring the bring the high level stuff back in once you've got once you've got the (laughs) the circuit locked down got the basics down yeah yeah Interesting things about Daytona is uh, there's a huge amount of stuff kind of hidden away in there. 
for a coin op. Um, I mean, it's not unique in that sense, but a lot of this stuff is stuff that you might normally associate with a home version, such as the reverse tracks. Uh, there are ways uh, you can run courses in reverse. There's a time attack mode hidden in there as well. Um, there's also a, a whole suite of hidden uh, classic Sega music from all sorts of the, the games that Sega made before it. If you put in your uh, high score initials as uh, certain things, you could end up with the music from Super Hang On or Rudmobile or Outrunners or any number of others uh, in the game as well. Uh, there's a special ending. You have to finish third place or better in every course. You can actually change the background music again with kind of secret button presses uh, there's another camera view by pressing simultaneously pressing view buttons two three and four uh, not sure exactly what view that brings up uh, you can if you uh, i think this one is probably fairly well known but uh, if you drive under the slot machine that hangs over the beginner course uh, if you press the start button uh, you uh, three times that is you actually stop the slots from turning uh, and if you get all three sevens you can get an extra seven seconds of game time uh, <laughs> the you, uh, yeah. the uh, xbla versions achievement list uh, pointed that one out to me ah right right yeah. yes uh there's a uh a sort of comedy moment in the intermediate course where if you uh if you accidentally go well accidentally or deliberately go onto the elevated path just before the pit road uh, a billboard will appear that reads you just lost your sponsors uh, you can make jeffrey do some stuff jeffrey from virtua fighter uh, there's a big statue of him on the at the expert course one of the many sort of uh, nods to other kind of sega things in there um, you can actually make him do handstands uh, by stabbing at the buttons i can't remember which buttons um start button. it's always the start button i think isn't it mm -hmm. um you can also have the seagulls that fly around uh float fly closer to your car and even become up to four times larger <laughs> i mean yeah. the, the seagulls are glorious by the way they're like just two wings joined together yeah <laughs> the perfect goal uh, yeah, there's some secret modes in the special twin type cabinets. Uh, there is a no handicap mode where the uh, so you can play multiplayer without rubber banding. Uh, yeah, th that's one thing I didn't say with with the AI rubber banding. There is also uh, human to human rubber banding in a Mario Kart uh, style because, uh, again, for making the game fun for up to uh, eight humans in a go you don't want the person who's just rubbish at video games or racing games to not have any kind of fun so uh, this game will catch them up a bit basically by making them go a bit faster down the straights or or slowing down the people in front i'm not really sure exactly how it does it but uh yeah uh so that's a nice uh, collection of easter eggs oh there's also a kind of uh, a slight turbo start um again involving the uh the, the start button um Although it does actually give you a tip about holding the revs in the yellow zone for, for starting as well. But that's uh, that's a, a less cheaty way of doing it. So we need to talk versions, conversions, follow-ups, sequels and spin-offs. Uh, because uh, we'll probably realistically not return to the Daytona series, although you never know. Uh, and undoubtedly, uh, although we'll have some experience of some of these, we won't have uh, played all of them. 
but it's always interesting to go through and see where Sega went with a property. Sinclair Gregstrom again from the forum says, you also can't talk about Daytona without at least briefly discussing the different versions. The arcade original is obviously awesome, but can be hard to find these days. The Xbox Live Arcade and PSN version is great and by the letter of the law is the best home conversion. But with the game being so linked to a particular time in my life and the platforms associated with it, it just loses a bit of magic on modern hardware for me. 2001 on the Dreamcast is also a great experience in its own right, but this is where I get a bit Daytona hipster. For me, I love the Japan-only Circuit Edition on the Saturn. It's the third and final version of the game released on that platform, correcting a lot of the errors of the previous Championship Circuit Edition released in the West by restoring the original handling model, improving the graphics including better frame rate and longer draw distance, and bringing back the original arcade soundtrack as an option. You can even select what time of day you want to race. The OG Saturn release is also a perfectly playable and enjoyable experience that feels like true Daytona as long as you can get over the rough looks and shoddy frame rate. Now, I know, Mikhail, you have the version that he was talking about there, but uh, just to take it back in time ever so slightly, apparently there was a prototype version for either the Mega Drive and or the 32X uh, that was at least at the very initial stages of being a prototype in 1994, but there is nothing out there about it beyond the fact that it probably existed. Really? Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to make a small correction to what uh, Sinclair Gregson said. Oh, sure. Uh, the circuit, uh, Jap- uh, Japanese circuit edition, uh, uh, indeed the version that I have, is not the final one on the Saturn. Oh. Because apparently I found out uh, via DF Retro. Oh, the another US s- one. Yeah. No, no. There, not nope. the US one. No. Nope. There's another, another final Japan only sort of uh, final circuit edition that tweaks the game and the handling a li- uh, even a even little more. bit further and adds. But it's uh, apparently one of the very rarest games on the Saturn. So oh, you're going okay. To have to, uh, you're going to have to shell out the big bucks if you can even find it. Hmm. Wow. Uh, so yeah, the Saturn version came out uh, 1995, April in Japan. Is that right? Wow. I thought it was earlier than that. Anyway, uh, July in the EU and um, was converted to Windows uh, for August 96. The Saturn, the PC uh, version, yeah, based on the Saturn version, uh, runs with, uh, as I say, at 20 frames per second or fewer. Uh, it has some major popping and clipping issues. Uh, but the home conversions do at least feature the uh, the horse racing. Uh, you can you can make your car into one of the horses from the scenery of uh, of one of the tracks, and uh, they're extremely fast but very poorly animated. Um, but this is where the songs, as I say, were re-recorded with real instruments and lyrics re-sung for each audio track. Is that uh, where the uh, Ipona USA video was? Uh... Uh, that's what it's based on. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very funny video. But yes, I assume <laughs> so I assume somebody got the idea from there. But yeah, that is uh, worth checking out. Epona, USA. Uh, I never played this Saturn version because I'd heard it was so kind of clunky. Um, I was waiting for the, uh, the edition we're just about to talk about. But then I heard that wasn't very good either. So I just stuck with uh, Ridge Racer on the PlayStation until I got a Dreamcast. Uh, did anyone have this original Saturn version? No. No. Uh, So Championship Circuit Edition came the following year, 
uh, made as an apology for the original game Saturn port, uh, developed by the same team that brought Sega Rally Championship to the Saturn, uh, so impressively it has to be said, uh, added a few new courses, retuned the handling to be more Sega Rally-ish, and included a new remix soundtrack. So yeah, I never bought this either because I heard it didn't really feel like Daytona. Hmm. This is not technically part of the series, but a spiritual sequel was Scud Race, 1996. I remember this arriving in the arcades. Uh, technologically uh, even more impressive on Sega's Model 3 board. Exotic cars, licensed cars, Porsches, Ferraris, Dodge Viper, McLaren F1. Rele- released in North America as Sega Super GT because uh, Scud... Uh, stands in America for Sports Car Ultimate Drive, but in the USA, it's a cruise missile. So um, it was called Scud Racer over here as well in Europe, even though we knew Scud as uh, as missiles as well. Curious. Uh, do, <laughs> yeah. I do remember seeing this. Did anyone ever sit down in one? No, I think I've seen it on, on YouTube. Sadly, there was no uh, Dreamcast version. I guess it was considered too old by the point the couple of years later when the Dreamcast hit. But I, I think there were clam- there was a certain amount of clamour for it, uh, especially after the Scud Race Plus came out in 97, which was uh, Japan-only expansion for the arcades. Uh, next was Daytona USA Circuit Edition, the aforementioned. Um, so this is the Japanese version of Championship Circuit Edition with some improvements, Mikhail? Yeah, I would just briefly say that uh, it feels more like a console racer than an arcade racer for some reason. There are two tracks added, two mm-hmm. home tracks. You can choose from a whole bunch of uh, cars with different handling attributes. It looks a bit darker than yeah, the arcade release a uh, little bit. And, and just, yeah, it kind of feels different. And I never, I mean, supposedly the handling was changed more uh yeah. to what to resemble that supposedly Sega rally more which has the home version of that for the saturn has amazing handling i, yeah. I think that's bar none the best uh digital uh handling of yeah. uh of racing controls that i've ever experienced but yeah it, it it doesn't feel feel quite right it doesn't feel quite the same way no. um i've actually i was playing it yesterday again and just there are some like the the first track after the tunnel in uh, Dinosaur Canyon. I just I never fail to just make a massive crash there, and I don't. I I let go of all gas. <laughs> I probably crawl at a snail's pace around that corner because drifting is also very, very obtuse to do in that game. Right. Uh, and it's just somehow it never. Uh, uh, yeah, I never fail to uh, make a spectacular. Why don't you just get good though, dive. Mikhail? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't I? Right. <laughs> simple as that. It's pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but I got better at the arcade version, but somehow never, um, yeah, never could uh, make much advancement in uh, in the circuit edition. Cool thing to uh, have, though. Yeah, cool thing to have, and uh, especially if you um, change the bass soundtrack uh, in the in the options mm-hmm. menu back to the original tracks. Yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. It's it's a fun thing to have. It has some really ridiculous hair metal extra tracks as Ooh, well boy. in the in the intro section singing we about need that the, for this box set yeah it goes something like <laughs> it, it's by a different it's by a different uh, artist by yeah, an yeah. american artist as well and it goes oh, something like uh, right yeah right like the sons of angels oh, something like that <laughs> no <laughs> yes yeah yeah and um yeah it's it's kind of kind of an amusing curio to to have in your collection but that's I, i'd rather pop in sega rally on the saturn any time of day sure yeah. yeah or any day of the week as the saying goes does the d-pad oh, on, on the saturn were you playing with the d-pad or with the yeah 
uh, with the D-pad, uh, actually. Maybe it controls better with the wheel or even with the... Analog. even supports the, the 3D controller. The yeah, controller. anything that supports the wheel, you can play with the analog thumbstick because it just recognizes it as the same thing. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. so maybe it's, uh, it's a much better experience with those uh, control setups. Mm -hmm. uh, so the PC... Uh, Windows PC got a port of that as well, the a version of uh, CCE, uh, which also had the different times of day uh, option present and, of course, unique to that version, but I don't know which circuit that was. Next came the version that you alluded to there, Mikhail, the super rare uh, Netlink Championship Circuit Edition with online play. Wow, back in 1997. Uh, the rarest Saturn game ever made, mm. according to one thing, but yeah. Yeah, so we can't blame Sinclair Gregson too much for uh, no, not having heard of that sure. version. I, I never did up, up until this point, actually. Mm. Daytona USA 2, Battle on the Edge. Never home converted. 1998 at the arcades, the true sequel. Uh, used a powered-up Model 3 board uh, and a refined Scud Race or Super Sega GT. Sega Super GT handling mechanic. Totally awesome, says the, uh, the thing I found. I remember this existing... Um, it was very much pitched as a this is Daytona for hard, uh, more Daytona for hardcore Daytona players in the way that coin up uh, sequels often are. Uh, it was a bit I think even the lyrics to the music were sort of um, implying that you were like if you sucked at the original, you probably didn't even bother playing this. So I don't think I did. <laughs> Anyone remember seeing the coin up? You were saying. Oh, uh, yeah. I yeah. definitely remember this one. I mean, it was such a visual spectacle. Just yeah, it like was. The, yeah. the detail on the tracks with the sea aquariums and the the, 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 the theme park rocket yeah. boat and yeah, all yeah. that craziness. Just totally over the top. And I'm still so saddened uh, to this day that apparently Sega never or AM2 or whoever yeah. uh, handles uh, ports of older games for them never really seemed to have gotten a handle on model 3 emulation because mm -hmm. we haven't seen that or a good home port of virtual fighter 3 right or, yeah. yeah so i would i would really love to see that happen at some point that we get some uh model 3 uh games home yeah because even the uh the, the the little run of um am2 stuff we got on the 360 and ps3 uh back in the early 2010s uh that it only went it was only model 2 stuff wasn't it so yeah yeah, mm. and, and famously the uh, the Dreamcast uh, Naomi hardware. Yeah, I mean it was it was fantastic for the time, but it wasn't a patch on uh, mo what Model Three could do. So the Model yeah. Three conversions weren't all that on a Dreamcast. No, sad. Uh, so there was a power edition of that, an expansion pack for Daytona for arcade operators in 99, uh, added a challenge course linking the three courses together in one continuous lap. That sounds excellent. Uh, and re reintroduced the original Daytona car with the same handling characteristics uh, and also changed the beginner track from an oversized biodome to a more traditional NASCAR style track. <laughs> <laughs> Let's tone it down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a shame to me. <laughs> now, did either of let's you... Not, let's not get too carried away here. Did either of you guys ever see the 2000 coin-op NASCAR Arcade? Or, as it was known outside the US, NASCAR Rubbin Racing? Oh, that's <laughs> no. a good subtitle. I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Sega AM3. Uh, there was no home conversion... Uh, apparently mainly due to Electronic Arts at that point having the home consumer rights to the NASCAR license. Um, I've watched some footage of this. It looked awful. 
like for really? a Sega AM3 coin op. And you remember that music you you kindly did for us for the for the uh, sort of hair metal stuff. Yeah. It's it's all that stuff as well. So I guess uh, we're we're around crazy taxi time here. Um, so I think maybe they were properly targeting the NASCAR crowd. Then. Yeah, I think so. Um, but it it, <laughs> it looks. I, I guess the footage I've seen of it is probably emulated. It doesn't look like it's straight from the coin op, but uh, but it it didn't have any sense of fun about it or sense of speed, as far as I could tell. Um, and that's probably why this game is yeah pretty much. I don't think I'd ever heard of it until I was doing research for this podcast. Then came something I'm very familiar with, probably the version of Daytona that I've still played the most. Daytona USA 2001, a revised edition uh, for the Dreamcast. The game also included the courses from uh, Championship Circuit Edition and three new ones, improved graphics, remixed music and online play, but not in Europe. Uh, we lost the online play because Sega was already starting to uh, kind of pull its feet back out of video game waters at, the, at this point or console uh, waters co-developed by amusement vision and genki who also co-developed the home version of virtual fighter 3d tb and uh, the tokyo extreme racer games it was 60 frames a second so it i mean it just looked fantastic back in 2001 um, main issues with this version were very twitchy controls particularly with the standard controller i actually bought a a, a dreamcast arcade wheel just to play this game and i did that for about 10 years until the xbox 360 version came along so yeah i so, love this game so the wheel definitely made it better oh yeah yeah cool. Ab absolutely i mean it it was not it was still not by according to expert daytona players it was still not right it was still not true proper daytona handling but for me as a bit of a scrub but who just wanted the joy of playing a really nice looking version of daytona at home with the music and and everything this was this was great yeah um and it did me yeah it did me for a decade basically um marv you said you had this one as well i did but i did not play it oh <laughs> i just yeah i just, just looked had at it, it. <laughs> yeah i just I, I just sort of looked at it i will say it was a time in my life where um Dreamcast games were just acquirable. Uh, okay, I'm with you. So that that's why I never got I never got around to it. A, a GD ROM. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. it's fair to say it was the the best home version up to this point. Um, yeah. Now I feel bad. <laughs> and in some ways, and in some ways, it was uh, you know it had some things that the the current. 360 ps3 version i say current seven years old but uh they don't have like extra courses and, and stuff but um but there you go did have you got this one mikhil no no oh. no i've i've kind of uh i heard about the twitchy control so that's why i kind of held off on ever buying it. do you have a dreamcast wheel no okay i sold mine i'm afraid so uh right. there we go how much did they how much did they update the the graphics is it um yeah. I mean, minus the resolution is it better than yeah. I've, yeah. I've watched videos of it it's kind of rebuilt uh making yeah good use of the uh of the dreamcast hardware yeah rather than, rather than trying to really 100 percent emulate the original arcade game yeah yeah it looks like a like a 2001 era interpretation of daytona but it has a similar it does have a similar vibe to the original it's uh, it's, it's probably the brightest and shiniest home version up to that point yeah, and it uh, yeah, I thought it was a really nice looking game, and it really captured the spirit. It was just that it's just so interesting that no, none of these different home teams could ever capture the handling precisely that the original team put in in the game. 
Uh, well, I guess it's often the case, isn't it? I mean, we, we probably saw the same with the original Outrun for many years. None of the home versions felt like the arcade game. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Till the Saturn straight port, I guess. In 2004, now this is unofficial, a game called Daytona USA GTX 2004. Uh, it wasn't made by Sega, uh, but there was an arcade version of Daytona, Daytona USA going around that added RPG elements. Uh, so yeah, it's made by uh, the modding scene, effectively. Uh, featured a range of little changes and improvements to the original, like upgraded visuals. <clears throat> the big changes, though, were the way you could earn skill points after each race, letting you customise your vehicle. You could put better tyres on your car, increase engine performance, add armour to prevent damage, and even install a turbo button for boost power. Uh, that's all according to uh, Luke Plunkett and Kotaku back in 2013. Obviously, probably nobody listening to this ever saw one of those, but but that's cool. <laughs> I like the fact that it exists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sega Racing Classic. I remember this being announced in 2010, people getting very excited, uh, but it was effectively Daytona. <laughs> Daytona USA <laughs> ported to the, the arcade board known as Ringwide, um, but they lost the license at this point in the way that uh, Sega did with a lot of stuff. We've also seen that with, uh, with Outrun being an issue. Aside from having uh, widescreens, uh, 169, and increased draw distance, it looks and plays identical to Daytona. Anyone ever seen one of these in the wild? I think I might have done. No, I haven't, definitely. Mm, not sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. If I have, I didn't pay particular attention to it. Yeah, but this home version happened. Um it's the version we have uh, right now, 360 and PS3. I think it's identical on both, but uh, I could be wrong about that. October 2011, this came out. This was, uh, as I say, Sega did a little run. Uh, this was internal Sega, uh, actually people in Sega Japan converting the likes of Virtual Fighter 2, Fighting Vipers, Sonic the Fighters, uh, and this to... 360 and PS3 and really uh, doing I think a sterling job I don't think like I don't think many of my friends even are aware of this or have it it's like it's one of those things that to me it was like oh my god an arcade perfect or even slightly better version of Daytona is finally coming home and weirdly no one cares but uh, <laughs> but I cared uh, it had the graphical updates from Sega Racing Classic so it runs in 169 it's higher resolution as I say you have the options for the original arcade music or the arranged soundtrack it has online multiplayer but you would almost certainly need to actually arrange that with friends rather than go and try to find randoms. Has a series of challenge trials in every course, uh, like hit hit a certain speed by a certain point or or complete a lap in a certain time, all that kind of thing. A survival mode, uh, drive as fast as you can, basically earning bonuses for drifting. That karaoke mode that Marv mentioned, which is just very silly and very fun. You basically <laughs> race as, as long as it takes to listen to the song. Um, yeah. with the lyrics there's, there's no mic screen. support or anything, right? No, sadly. You just have to sing by, the, by your own self. Yeah, and... perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's... Not, not weird at all. Not weird at <laughs> no. all. I, I wasn't doing that at all on my own earlier yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Forza-style rewind feature. Uh, a nice concession to the modern gamer there. Take a drink. Uh, racing wheel support, as we know. Uh, high resolution 2D assets, so things like the uh, the speedometer and everything look really nice and shiny. Um, I was playing this on my modern 49-inch uh, uh, 4K screen, and it looks lovely, looked great. I was sitting like you know two feet away from it and just feeling like a, a 
a, a young man in the arcades again and a set of achievements or trophies uh, which are pretty easy to get all of as well so that's just a nice bit of extra fun uh, it's about six quid uh, you can still buy it on ps3 or or 360 and personally don't know about you guys but i thoroughly recommend people get this version oh for sure yeah i'd say it's a really good version looks great do you think they missed the mark by not including split screen multiplayer Ooh, good um, question i haven't gone online yet but just judging by how outrun was the the online died really quickly yeah. and i can't imagine there's mm. there'd be that many people buying it for that i i had similar mis- uh, misgivings or or considerations about uh, virtual on oratorio tangram as well nice. i would have liked to see a local split screen version for that yeah uh, Saturn had it didn't it <laughs> yeah but i guess uh, i think they wanted to make it as close to the arcade version as possible uh, but actually an online yeah. sort of sort sort of is perhaps a better substitute for you're right cabinets you i think you're right but what Marv says is a compelling idea. Again, thinking about it, like the the, the size of screens a lot of us have at home now, mm-hmm. four-player split-screen could still look and perform really well um, yeah. with the hardware yeah. that you've got. Uh, you yeah, hopefully you could still. I don't know about the 360. Um, maybe on Xbox One X you could still run it at 60 frames with with four or even eight cars on screen, and with a 50-inch screen or whatever, you would all have enough real estate to kind of have a decent experience um given the kind of postage stamps we used to deal with in the old days um if you could get all your friends together to play daytona though i guess that's the other question but um whether it was worth their time so the only reason i I brought it up was because that did happen when i recently purchased the game on 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 xbox live arcade Ah. i did go over a friend's house and we just happened to have four people there and I'm like, you know, I have to play Daytona because I, I you know, we're going to discuss it. Yeah. And they were all into it. And I loaded oh, it up nice. and they're like, well, does it have multiplayer? And <sighs> we looked and there was none and it just totally killed the mood. I mean, we went on and <laughs> passed the controller yeah, around, sure. but it, it just, it, yeah, that was a bummer. Oh, can I rinse kill the mood at your party? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I blame this on I blame this on Sega. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe uh, maybe this gen will get a uh, another version with with or even more bells and whistles. Yeah, I would. Yeah. As I say, I would totally love it. I would buy it again if they re-released it again with the extra courses and some of the other stuff that's been in the home versions plus uh, split screen. Yeah, I'd go for it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. totally the screen real estate. So the so, so mm. if I may for just a, a short while go. I remember when I was working at Nintendo at the time when this came out to, uh, onto XBLA and PSN, uh, we had some discussions with fellow video game lovers over there. Right, uh, and half of them were overjoyed that it was coming uh, in a, in its shape uh, onto modern platforms, mm-hmm. and then there were others that were like that downloaded and were like, "That's just three tracks. That's that's it." Yeah, uh, just played, I've heard played, it, played the three tracks, and okay, that was all. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's my uh, my six uh, or what is it? Uh, maybe eight or nine euros uh, down the drain. Well, you know, it yeah, was still it was still that, only yeah. the cost of uh, five goes of the coin up originally. Yeah. So, and yeah. and earlier in our uh, green room discussions with Tony, he also uttered a similar same thing sen- sentiment. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that is yeah. we have to acknowledge that that sort of attitude or experience and opinion exists but i guess this game is not i guess this release is i guess it is partly aimed at just pure nostalgia for Mm. having fun but is it 
it's for those those people who are kind of into it aren't they and and who yeah. actually yeah i'm not yeah. i'm not saying i play this every day but it's now an integral part of my video games library that i will i will either put on sometimes just for the joy of it of the attract mode and the music and whatever and other times i'll put it on to try to get better at it and yeah. it's not a, it's never a game that i would have just downloaded for once and thought oh okay i'll just race the tracks and then turn it off again this is like a huge part of video games history for me and to have mm. an arcade perfect to all intents and purposes or even better in some ways home version is kind of a dream come true yeah and i didn't bite myself until quite late actually to to get this uh, this version I think maybe even after getting the uh, circuit edition uh, on uh, the, the, on a Japanese uh, Saturn, yeah, uh, maybe kind of soured me a little bit on Daytona and its handling, uh, un unfairly so, of course, because that's right. the quirky Saturn version. But uh, the funny thing was, I my uh, wife's boss gave me his uh, whole steering wheel setup for the 360 ah. because it was just laying around gathering dust in his home. And immediately, for somewhere in my subconscious, it popped up to me. I need to buy uh, Daytona USA yes. now on XBLA. Yeah. And uh, so I've only ever played it with the steering wheel right. on that version. And yeah, it's it's kind of it's really feels like bliss. And I've it has uh, this has really sort of warm, warmed me up more to the game than ever before playing it in this way i would love yeah i agree to play it like that have you got a wheel uh Marv? Oh, oh sorry no i don't have a wheel oh. but i do agree that this version it, it's it's perfectly fine i think it's from a different mentality um you know this type of arcade game where you look at it as oh it's only three tracks but mm -hmm. it, it, if you spend enough time chasing first or just trying to master the tracks yeah. you will get if you judge a game by how many hours you get out of it then you will get that mileage oh, out of it sure um you know just passing the controller around amongst friends you know all of a sudden we realized we were there for like three hours trying to get the highest you know reach the highest rank um just on the beginner course yeah yeah so and we still wanted more that was that was the party saved yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so 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 it's 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 just i don't know if it's a bygone era but it would a new gamer who's used to you know, Horizon mm. and Forza and Gran Turismo, could they sit down and play Daytona USA for the first time and really put some time into it? Um, I don't know. No. I don't know because that's that's not really where I'm coming from. But it, it is a different mentality. And yeah. if you try to master the game, you will get satisfaction and maybe the time investment that mm. you'd want. Yeah. Your eight maybe it would work uh it would work if you give them a steering wheel i've i've done that to some uh, younger folks uh before and uh, they were pretty hooked on it mm. yeah you're right there's really nothing more fun than having that steering wheel you're, you're right mm -hmm. <laughs> buy me a wheel mikhail <laughs> yeah just yeah could you ship one to me too <laughs> while we're at it i will see what i can do <laughs> no i would i would love i would love to have that experience um yeah if i if i were to get a, an xbox one wheel if i was to invest uh yeah this would i would play this ahead of forza horizon three or four or whatever for yeah. sure i think i'll just show it more love next time i'm at the at the barcade yeah mm. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i should get that force feedback hopefully they've they maintain the uh yeah. the mechanics in there nicely uh, on that note do you think that's something that sega sort of pays attention to like abuse of of their cabinets huh. because yeah, like playing Crazy Taxi, they, they, you put in a mechanic where you you sort of have to slam yeah. the, the the gear, you know, into reverse and then back into drive at the same time you're hitting the accelerator. It kind of oh yeah asks you to 
build a durable cabinet and for the the player to just really abuse it i'm sure they have it feels good i'm sure they have machines that test those parts like just slamming those gearboxes backwards and forwards like thousands of times to make sure that they can withstand the wear and tear of being in an arcade if they they don't do that and it's a scheme then i don't think they would have ever had the long lasting relationships with arcade operators yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i'm sure they supply yeah they, they will supply replacement parts and whatever but yeah you've got to you got to uh, create a certain amount of goodwill. And yeah, I rem- remember certain arcade machines with certain novelty gimmicks not lasting long at all, like the, the, the original Street Fighter cabinets. I was going to say, yeah. With the pressure... <laughs> pressure sensitive buttons um almost immediately i remember uh, them you being able to see the sharp spikes that were underneath it was a real health hazard because <laughs> uh, people had gone through the rubber so quick uh it was just it was a nightmare so yeah that's why they all got replaced with uh, with buttons um but yeah the gear gacha thing being so much a part of outrun um prior to this uh i think it was absolutely yeah baked in that the the gearbox here was going to be given a right workout and yeah i bet they tested those parts or or got guarantees off their supplier that they were gonna they were gonna withstand however 25 years was probably not in their thinking um i'd be interested to know how many of the cabinets that are still around are still on their first gear stick and gearbox um not many i would imagine but who knows (laughs) more recently uh much more recently daytona championship usa uh, 2017 originally advertised as the second real sequel to daytona usa featuring three new tracks as well as remastered versions of the original three tracks the game is actually yet another updated re-release of the original game with modern graphics uh, features six courses the original three reskinned and mirrored versions of them uh, one of which is that creation of the real life daytona international speedway uh, also included are a 47-inch LED HD screen and an embedded camera for each cabinet, a display that broadcasts multiplayer races uh, and a new championship mode aimed at experts. So we're all the way back to my memories of the virtual racing eight-player cabinet with the cameras pointing at the players' faces um, and projecting them up on a big screen to see people basically normally looking quite serious and concentrated uh, on the race ahead i haven't seen this one uh, in brighton um or london uh yet i don't know if it's around but uh, i would probably play it if i saw it put it that way race faces yeah race faces uh anyone seen these uh this latest incarnation anywhere in on the planet earth no, but I might look for it. There is, um, I don't know if you've heard of Dave and Buster's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we, so that would be a place I might have it. I haven't been to one in years, but maybe I'll sacrifice myself and yeah, yeah. check it out. Yeah, <laughs> see if they have it. If we've got one, it will be in. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got like bowlplexes and um, you know places like that that have the the current sort of the the trend for the big coin ops and the ones that yeah. are based on apps like uh you know doodle jump and stuff like that and the ticket spouting pac-man and space invaders machines and that kind of thing so yeah it's it's possible but i imagine this is still probably not cheap thing for for people to install so but yeah i'd like to see one Mikhail, have you got any uh, places you can go near you in holland to to visit our you know arcade machines vintage or or contemporary yeah um there has been uh in recent years i still haven't visited in utrecht uh, it's about uh, maybe half an hour by car 45 minutes or something um, that's utrecht for our uh, uh non-dutch <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> just in case you I didn't get that, that. 
<laughs> the, yeah, there's a place called Game State that might seem the, uh, to be the, the place for these kind of spectacle caps and uh, and and uh, yeah, those types of machines. So yeah, I mean, I've been talking to my kids for ages that we should go and visit it and check it out sometimes. Definitely, I mean, yeah, should actually go and do it. But if either of you guys finds one, do uh, do make it known to us, and uh, we'll we'll tweet and and whatever else about it. Will Freeman back in the Guardian last year, uh, 2017, uh, from this article, developed at Sega Amusements International's Cardiff base. That's Cardiff in Wales, in the UK, not far from here. Uh, With head of research and development Patrick Michael guiding the project, Daytona Championship USA offers both new and old tracks. The game is already selling well, so long after the arcade boom went bust and represents an enthusiastic attempt at capturing the atmosphere of Daytona USA uh, that it so excelled in bringing. I approached making a new Daytona nervously, Michael admits. At the outset, he recognised an intriguing challenge. All the original Daytona USA machines still going strong in modern arcades would mean arcade operators would need convincing to spend money on a new instalment. We spent a lot of time playing the original Daytona uh, in our office, and I sat in arcades across the US watching Daytona players there. That let me see what a social game it is. And that, says Michael, is where the real Daytona USA lies. An arcade operator once said to me, Daytona is not a racing game, it's a party game with cars. I think that's it. It's a social game where you play with your friends. It was one of the first eight-player games. Uh, Watching people play Daytona, people look over at each other all the time. They're smiling and cheering. That's so important to what the game is. Nice. Yeah, he's right. And hilariously, there was a point... Back in December last year, so uh, just eight months ago at the time of recording, where they uh, were releasing an, basically a patch for the coin-op, which is how it works these days, uh, uh, I suppose unsurprisingly. Uh, when they downloaded this patch for arcade operators, somebody accidentally uh, uploaded, I should say, the entire Daytona Championship USA game. Uh, it was briefly available. And some people got hold of it. Uh, yeah, and I believe, get around. Yeah, I believe so. And, and I believe you can play it on PC. I'm not sure within what wrapper you can play it, but I think it is possible. So, yeah. But I don't, I, I don't actually think that would necessarily stop anyone playing the coin-op. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. <laughs> the, you, you, there's almost an argument that you could give away your coin-ops for free uh, to download um, for the enthusiasts to see. Because if they want to play them, they will go and play them in if they if they if they want to get good at them, they'll go and play them in in the in the right environment and show off and, mm, and whatever. For sure. Um, or at least demos might not be a bad idea if you you know, given that everything one runs within the same kind of infrastructure now and x sixty eight thousand kind of basis, you could actually uh, you could potentially release arcade game demos on Steam or whatever, and then say you know seek it out. But I don't know. Uh, Magical Isopod on the forum says, as a child of the nineties, I remember Daytona USA as a mainstay of noisy arcades where one could gamble tens of dollars on meaningless tickets. You were never going to have enough tickets for that N64 isopod. Why did you even try? Anyway, I have many strong memories of the grand old Daytona eight-player parking lot, usually kept safely behind a velvet rope and a group of older kids waiting in line to play it. I was always much more interested in the likes of Raiden 2, The Simpsons Arcade, Area 51, and that game where you smash crocodiles with a foam mallet. And honestly, (laughs) I don't think I've ever played Daytona. But... Upon a recent visit to an arcade in Vaughan, Ontario, with a friend of mine, we came across one of those massive eight-car Daytona cabinets, and all eight seats were full of drivers. 
in 2018, no less. This game is still beloved. It has its audience. And I think that's simply wonderful. I love that feedback from somebody who's never played the game, just celebrating the fact that this 25 year old game is still being played. I get a bit emotional. Uh, Sinclair Gregstrom, <laughs> also from the forum, says Daytona USA is probably the most arcadey arcade racer ever. It's one of the most Sega-y Sega games ever. If you love those two things, then it will probably become an ever-present part of your gaming life as long as you play video games, just as it has for me. If you don't like those two things, you'll play it for five minutes and think this handling's rubbish and never come back. That would be a great shame, but it really is that kind of game. So if you've not played it, then give it a whirl and you might be about to discover your favourite arcade racer of all time, or at least your second favourite after Sega Rally. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so reviews in just three words. Uh, we got a few in and some of them were exactly what we expected. Good. Well done. <laughs> Magical Isopod says 90s arcade mainstay. Bad Tismizo. Or it's CZMZO if you want. Um, let's go away. Or is it let's go away? That'll do. One or, of the two. Let's go away. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Once more with feeling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Junker Den B says must play manual. Yeah, serious player there. Our friend Ben at One Credit Classic says rolling start tune. All right, the Manipool says Daytona. Yeah, I figured the one with the voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have the P is silent, I believe. Yeah. Sam Tick, yeah. um, and he says in every arcade. Yeah, and both Ashton yeah. Herman and No More Spiros, and probably many more if we'd put the shout out a few more times, simply said blue, blue skies. Yeah. yeah, is that what they said, or were they singing something? They were probably singing it. Do you want to sing it, Mikhail? No, you go ahead. No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I expect we'll close no, the no, I think you were volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> so let's summarize our feelings on Daytona USA. I'll start. Uh, I don't know if I'm the, the least positive, but uh, I'm still quite positive. Uh, I have a lot of affection for Daytona USA. I'm certainly not a... Uh, it's not one of the games that I've played and played and played and completed and mastered over and over again i've played it on and off for 25 years in the arcades on the dreamcast and uh, and most recently on the xbox 360 or xbox one uh, as i say it'll be a part of my collection uh, as gregstrom said there uh, for all time now um you know, barring digital rights issues and things like that, um, I would find a, a way of getting hold of it, even if that version was no longer available to me. Um, I definitely gelled better with the arcade, uh, the handling of other arcade racers such as Outrun 2 and uh, Namco series uh, Ridge Racer. But Daytona, because it has this extra level, I think, of challenge and difficulty, uh, I'll probably keep coming back to it for longer than I will for those those other games. Um, I'll always love Outrun 2 in particular, but my my passion for Ridge Racer kind of died away as the series kind of got grittier and grittier. But Daytona remains this this joyous, blue-skied, sort of life-affirming, absurd, fun, just fun racer. And I can still, even though uh, I can still go to the arcades in Brighton and have the actual experience with the wheel and the and the the gear gacha stick and and all that stuff, uh, the pedals. Of course, we didn't even talk about pedals, um, but I can I can recreate the feelings of 
the the heyday of the arcades in my own room now with this great version uh, on this modern system. I do want a force feedback wheel so I can play it properly like Mikhail, uh and with manual gears. I'm still going to learn. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's kind of a Daytona as a 25 year arcade mainstay is true uh, god tier epic shelf arcade racing stuff. Uh, it's created its own legend and yeah, is an essential play. Uh, even if you do just download it and play through one course each and then go, OK, that's Daytona. Do that. <laughs> uh, Marv, how could you summarize your feelings towards Daytona? I would say I've criminally ignored it. Um, you know, besides a few times I've I've sat down and not, you know, memorably played it, you know, just like, hey, let, let's see if I could beat you in this race with friends. Yeah. But now that I've played it and, you know, spent a little bit more time with it on Xbox Live Arcade to see that this still has some of the Sega magic I learned to love by playing um, OutRun Online, Online Arcade mm. and just realizing that it is you know i forget where where that comes from but the the old adage where it's um simple to pick up but um and i forgot difficult to master (laughs) difficult to master there you go easy to pick up difficult to master and it and it has that and i realize now i i do want to keep it in my rotation you know every every month or so if i put on outrun i might go right into daytona and you know bounce around from drift mechanics um it's it's definitely one of those games that there's a reason it's still in arcades. It's it's one of those games where, and th- that was um, part of the, the DF Retro, why 60 FPS was so important. And that that's what keeps it still alive. That, that 60 FPS that we're still chasing these days in other mm-hmm. modern games that shows how Sega was ahead of their time in, in, in a way with changing the views and even having the the, the, the cockpit view, yeah. the dashboard where you could see a little bit of dials, even though it's not, you know, it's still crude, but it was probably great for its time. But having uh, car damage and um, spectacular crashes and the tire wear and, you know, something that you don't really expect in, mm. a, in an arcade racer, but traction, that you could feel your traction yeah. and that will affect your turns also, that there's so much nuance in something that you think should be, you know, really simple. You put in your, your coin and you go ahead and play it. And also in, in how it's reinvented itself in the modern era to still have a place in, you know, in, in, in a place like Barcade where you grab a beer, yeah. you're amongst friends or you're with your date and you just sit down and, you know, play a few minutes of, of, of a classic arcade game and, you know, it brings you closer together in that sense where you could communicate through that hardware, through the cabinet and have moments. You yeah. know, and you could probably talk about it through the night. Oh, remember, you know, when I almost passed you or I bumped you and you crashed into that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you sort of you sort of still need that. And for, for a game to have that type of longevity and to be re-released pretty shamefully, yeah. <laughs> I would say repeatedly. with yeah. updated repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um that that's that's um I've never seen a cow milk so thoroughly. Yeah. But but there's a reason for it. So um I guess to summarize, I, I haven't played it enough as much as it's been around me always. And, it, you know, I think it's time I pay even more attention to it and um, maybe try to master the other two courses. Awesome. Beautiful. Good stuff. Let's conclude with the McKeel's summary. Being that credits were a limited resource, uh, it's funny that I've never really um, 
got hands-on with too many arcade races in the heyday of the arcades. It was expensive, the 80s man. In the 90s yeah. in the West. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I really... More in the in the 2000s, I started to appreciate uh, actual uh, arcade races as well, actually. <laughs> because, I mean, by that time, uh, around my way at least, the only arcade machines you could find were big spectacle caps and sit-down caps. Because there were, so there was really nothing left to play. And since I am such a fan of arcade games and just, you know, walking somewhere out in the wild and seeing a big, bright, brash, bold video game that you can throw a coin in and play... I did start to play uh, some some legacy machines and some uh, newer games as well, like F Zero AX, mm. um, and really appreciate just the, the the seamless speed and the the feeling of sitting in a uh, sit down cap with all the uh, feedback you get. I really started to uh, appreciate that more, and also fi- trying to find that more. Uh, in home releases so i became a massive fan of the burnout games uh, first at least the first two yeah uh for example and of course f0gx and like i was saying that seamless sense of speed and marv was also saying that 60 frames per second it's not just the 60 frames per second it's the uh, it's the absolute consistency at least to my uh to my knowledge of those 60 frames per second uh just that general smoothness and if you look at the aesthetics in the Ninja Gaiden show, we also spoke about that. I had a bit of a discussion with uh, Josh where he felt like that game didn't really hold up. But to me, going back to Ninja Gaiden Black in 2000, what was it, uh, 17, made me all the more appreciative of that, of that game just with how smooth it ran in yeah. terms of animation and just how, how solid it felt. And I kind of likened it back then to... Model 2, 3, or Naomi-type uh, board-driven games by Sega. Just that ab- absolute solidity of that game. And if you look back through history at Daytona USA, I think this was kind of the starting point of a look and feel that would go on to determine 3D polygon-based polyg- uh, polygon uh, Sega games. Mm-hmm. Uh, use of color, just the... the brightness and, and solid feeling of the environments uh, and everything and yeah i just can't I've, I've i've kind of like marv have criminally underrated uh, detona in the past but i just can't get around it anymore and <laughs> coupled with a steering wheel it's an absolute blast to play uh, as i've uh, rediscovered in the last couple of days playing it for the show as I said, it's not exactly the same as sitting in an actual sit-down cabinet and playing it, uh, you know, when you're out and about. Uh, and like Marvin also said, uh, with with a group of friends, just you know, going out and having that social, outgoing video gaming experience as opposed to shutting yourself in your room. So it's it's not quite the same, but it's close enough uh, and enjoyable enough all in its own to do it that way. So if you haven't, just um, really purchase that uh, very cheap, affordable. Uh, um, version of Daytona USA on uh, XBLA or PSN and uh, give it a spin and see what we're talking about. Nicely done. Well said, everybody. So it just remains for me, your Kuru Chief, Leon, to thank Marvin and Mikhail, as well as our correspondents, Editor Jay, and to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and perhaps you'd like to hear an even longer version of it, uh, patreon.com slash cane and rinse, and you can donate a dollar a month or more. And uh, you'll also get some other extra bits and bobs and early release items. But 
do subscribe and rate and review wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it be Apple Podcasts or elsewhere. Uh, and as I say, uh, an exclusive monthly minicast if you subscribe for a dollar. Next time in issue 332, Little Wind Yet Big Jobs, our Final Fantasy V podcast. <laughs>